Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by Ed, Ed, Mike, and myself, Steve. Welcome, everybody. Hey, everybody. What's up, guys? Um, I guess Ready we can take a nice Democratic vote. Is the big story the uh, prison appearances or jail appearances? Nobody can get the two straight for whatever reason. Is that like the biggest, most bothersome story or is it the debates? The debate. Hmm. Well, I have another bothersome story uh, that that's starting to percolate. That doesn't have anything to do with those things. We'll get to that. I want to talk about jail. Go ahead. I I'm. I said to my wife this morning, as much as I don't want to vote for Trump, especially not in a primary, this jail thing is really, really. I don't know. So much of the idea of this is making you sick that people the are idea of what is making you sick mug shots fingerprints on trumped up charges pun and not intended uh it's just the whole thing is disgusting that you can run for office saying you're going to get somebody do nothing but get somebody and then mm -hmm. everybody has to bow down to you and show up when you say and where you say and they can hold him for a couple hours which itself is kind of mind-boggling i guess yeah, and Bongino's out there yelling, which is kind of interesting. He says Trump shouldn't postpone. Well, I, I've had that debate with Daniel, actually, who's not with us this week. But and I think we might have talked about it on the show. This whole process is being upheld by Trump. Trump is legitimizing it by by making appearances, by complying with orders, by paying bail. Trump. If Trump wants to lead the revolution, he's going to need to start really fighting the deep state. And you're not going to fight the deep state by complying with all their orders and saying and then arguing to the judge that something is not fair. I mean, that's basically seems to be his strategy to appeal to the public and, you know, hopefully the public and hopefully the judge will will, will come to the conclusion that this is not fair. So we got to do something. No, Mr. Trump, you need to do something. And I know it's it's really easy for me in my in my comfy chair to say somebody else should should expose himself to to further penalty, but this is a rigged game. He is going to wind up in jail, regardless of whether he defies them or if he goes along with it. The problem with going along with it is is the same issue as what happened in 2020. And, and this is why I have such an issue with him skipping the debate and not talking about how he's going to be doing things differently. He, in 2020, he kept warning us that it's going to, that it's going to be a rigged election, that the Democrats were, were changing the rules and the Democrats were doing all sorts of things that, that brought into question the validity of the election. And he even said before the election, I'm not sure if I'm going to agree with, you know, if I'll accept the results. Well, if you have a if you have an issue with how the election might turn out beforehand, you have to do something about it. And likewise, in these criminal prosecutions, if you think that it's a totally unfair process, you can't just comply with an unfair process, go to the end, get the obvious conviction that we all know is coming, and then say, oh, not fair. I shouldn't have to go to jail. I should be pardoned. I should be this. I mean, yes, he should, but the time to fight is now especially for some guy who's telling us 
that his qualification to be president is that he will fight the deep state. Well, show us. Stop telling us. So you're us. suggesting he should do what? I'm suggesting he should defy the whole process. Not go to Georgia at all? Correct. He should have he should have refused. He should have refused to, to appear at the arraignment. He should refuse to post bond. He should refuse everything. And if they're gonna if they want to arrest him, make them if they're gonna go and arrest him and put him in jail, let him do him that let him do it now. And let him do it before there's a conviction, before the whole trial farce goes forward. If he wants to say that it's a farce, well, don't comply with it. You don't comply with a farce. You don't legitimize the farce by pretending that it's a legitimate prosecution and you have a chance to win. He doesn't have a chance to win. And they're never going to stop coming after him. I mean, that's the other thing that just blows me away. He think, he, does he think that they're going to make a deal with him? I, I, they're not going to make a deal. They want him in jail. It's obvious. So he needs to do something. Otherwise, he's going to wind up in jail for sure. I have to tell you, I'm a really longtime listener of a great podcast called The Conservatarian Exchange. And that's what Ed M, I think, has been proposing all along. Just tell them where to go, especially a state like Georgia, where I don't think he really needs to go anyway. It's not like Jersey, New York, where maybe he has business. Just let them well, come. Ed, P, hey, um, uh, well, Ed P, didn't you share a story about the case? Yeah, we I, wanted to, federal I wanted court? to show that. Uh, right now. And yeah, I, I actually read a ton of that, which is out of character for me, but I was happy about it. Yeah, let's see if we can. Uh... Wow. Boy, is this not happy. Um, I was going to share this, uh, but I can't right now because good old Zoom not working properly. Anyway, it's one of the defendants, Jeffrey Bossert Clark, who was the assistant attorney general, and he put in a notice of removal to the U.S. District, District Court of Northern District of Georgia, basically that he, you know, pursuant to the various laws, he gives notice and removes the two actions listed below to the United States District Court of the Northern District of uh, Georgia, Atlanta Division. Oh, yeah. Um, and the basic argument that he's making is that uh, federal law uh, does not allow states to arrest federal officers in performance of their duties. Um, such cases automatically get transferred to federal court. Um, and this, uh, while the law is relatively new, um, 2007, the, this came out of the Civil War. Um, uh, the North um, had a tendency to arrest uh, slave catchers who were official um, you know, officers of the court uh, trying to recapture escaped slaves and the, uh, the northern states, especially in the Midwest, uh, had a tendency to arrest those federal officers and throw them in jail. And, uh, you know, obviously, from a libertarian perspective, I think the states probably should have the ability to arrest federal officers who are performing their duty if, in fact, they violate state law. Um, but we're not talking about what uh, would be in a perfect federalist libertarian society. We're talking about what the law is in the United States right now. And I think uh, this uh, Mr. Clark uh, is on to something. Certainly Robert Barnes thinks he's on to something. Um, and not just his case is he's demanding to have it remanded to the U.S. District Court in Atlanta 
But um, since all of the cases are intertwined and inseparable, all of the cases to be remanded. Um, Not remanded, now, removed. Removed, right, removed, sorry. Anyway, uh, that was, um, uh, you know, he, he put that in yesterday. I don't know exactly what the, um, the, the judges, the U.S. district judge's response would be. Obviously, it's got to be assigned to a district judge, and then the district judge has to respond in some way. But no, given the district the, judge doesn't respond. The, the, the prosecution gets to respond. Oh, Here, I'll tell you the procedure. The, the, there are two steps to it. The procedure, prim, the primary responsibility for responding is on the other side. In this case, the prosecution. The prosecution has a limited time period to file a motion to remand the case back to state court on the grounds that removal to federal court was improper. And I'll play lawyer for them. I'll tell you what they're gonna argue. They're gonna argue that the charges are not related to anything that is quote, related to their official duties, unquote. And they're gonna say insurrection is not in any way, shape or form related to their official duties. That's the argument they're gonna make. It's probably gonna to go to the Supreme Court. Um, it Even should have they, stopped the um, it should have stopped all of the uh, it should have resulted again, according to this brief, uh, it should have resulted in immediate day and all of this uh, jail and uh, and uh, bail and mugshots at all should have been stayed until. This issue of, you know, what court has jurisdiction is worked out well, it's and, not should have. And there is no question about which court has jurisdiction. On the filing of a removal notice, the state court loses all jurisdiction. The federal court has jurisdiction over the case. There is oh, no- wait, Ed, you're saying that therefore Trump doesn't even have to show up tomorrow, period. Well, um, I, I, you, uh, you don't have the, uh, the complaint on the screen right now. Was, the, was it a joint complaint naming all- Yeah, joint. Yeah, he goes oh. through, he goes, th Clark goes through all of the different uh, aspects of the it, case. It's a joint complaint. They kind of had a weird thing where they they impounded a civil uh, grand jury and then they sort of changed it to like add criminal things. That, that was a little weird, but the federal law is quite clear on what, it, it, it's not just federal officers. Okay, so the way he wrote the removal is, the law doesn't say, that you can remove the case if it's a federal officer in pursuant of their duties. The law says Related. you can remove the case if it's a federal officer and if there is some evidence that he could, or some defense that he could use that it is um, Related uh, to in pursuit of his, his federal duties. And he, he had like six or eight different you know, things that were obvious and obviously true. So I think that, um, I, I think that really he, he I, again, I'm not gonna guess, but I, you know, if I, just reading this brief, the Clark brief on its own, I would say he won the case for Trump right there. Because what it also says is that the local district attorney no longer has um, the ability to prosecute the case. It has to be prosecuted by the attorney general of the state, who is a MAGA Republican. 
Well, look, and look he this. gets to decide. He gets to decide whether any of these charges are in fact defensible. So Let me just it, answer Stephen's question, though. Um, it, because it's a joint complaint where they're all named in the same complaint, it only takes one defendant in a complaint to remove the entire complaint to federal court. If they had, if the state had filed separate prosecutions against each of them, then each defendant would have to make his own removal motion. But because it was, because it, it doesn't get severed, it does, I mean, they could make a motion to sever it and remand, they could do that. But then Trump would have the ability to file his own re, uh, removal motion himself. Um, although there'd be some issue about the time, the time limitations, because there's only 30 day limitation. You have to file a removal notice within 30 days. He and, and discusses yeah, he, that he, and he discusses when the clock started. And he has some arguments to be made about that as well. So if and I the weird thing is it's 30 days from the arraignment and he hasn't been arraigned yet. Yeah, he, Clark yeah. has not been arraigned. So it, it, he was just, you know, I read it in the media. And, and while he has some Georgia lawyer representing him in this, I guarantee you this guy wrote it himself. I mean, this guy is a federal prosecutor of like 25 years. The guy is smart as, as hell. And I'm sure that he came up with this idea himself. And, to, and you know, I, I haven't heard anything about this in the press. I got this from Robert Barnes. So I follow him locals. I pay to follow him because of just this sort of thing. He's ahead of the curve on some of these things and allows us to be a little ahead of the curve because I have not heard anything about this um, removal motion. Uh, in any of the uh, tweets and uh, and Telegram and whatnot that I follow, so it'll be interesting to see how it, how it happens. But it does seem to me like the case has been moved to federal court. Well, that's um, what a removal motion does. It automatically takes the case out of the state court, divests the state court of any jurisdiction or power to hear the case, and it puts jurisdiction in the federal court. So if I were any of the defendants, I would definitely not show up at the full. So why did Rudy, Rudy showed up this afternoon? Why? And Sidney Powell and Jenna Ellis, their um, uh, pictures. Jenna, Rudy was looking all dour. Jenna's, um, Jenna's a journalist. Her, her, uh, her mug shot was like glamour shot, right? She was smiling and happy. And it, was, it was fun. Sidney Powell didn't look happy then. Um, so why do you think, why does Rudy show up if this happens? I couldn't tell you. I, there's no coordination between any of them. I, and I think Trump is the worst, right? Trump is absolutely the worst because he should be coordinating and paying for. Well, my next question is why defense. did Trump file this and why did somebody else? But he, um, at the end of this filing, this guy wrote, I have also served this file filing by email on the following counsel, who, to my knowledge, are representing other defendants named in the underlying indictment. And he lists like 30 names there or something. So it's not like Rudy's lawyer didn't know. I assume everybody's on here. Tons of names. So mm -hmm. that's what I don't understand. And yes, if this was a good argument to be made, it should have come from Trump's team. And to me, that shows a lack of something. Well, I, mean, I think we've always known that tr Trump just has bad appointments, right? I mean, he just doesn't have, this guy was, this guy is really smart and he's probably not too fond of Trump for all of this that Trump has gotten him into either. Um, but it is, uh, it does seem like it's a, it's a, a way to win using a legal tactic. Um, I think who knows, I just ignore him. 
Huh? Well, well we I mean, to- they're ignoring everything other law. They might just ignore this and just keep trying the case in state court. I don't know. I think the answer to the question is twofold. One, just as Trump is trying to respect the rule of law by complying with all of these ridiculous indictments and all these ridiculous court actions, I think Rudy is doing the same thing. And I think secondly and relatedly, my guess is their lawyers probably looked at this and made the same prosecution argument that I made, that this is that the removal statute that Ed cited or from the brief doesn't apply because, quote, insurrection, unquote, doesn't relate to anybody's official federal duties. Right. But of course, he were... wasn't charged with insurrection. They were charged with uh, a bunch of, uh, well, RICO violations. But trying to overturn an election. Okay, but your argument and his argument was that it's already removed by the very fact this was filed. And if the other side gets it remanded back, that's fine, but it is removed. So that argument makes no sense for tomorrow. I can tell you in a civil case, that would be the case. That would definitely be true. It is what he's arguing. That's clear. That's what he's arguing. And here is very specific about it. So that's why I don't understand. They should at least say, well, guess what? We're not showing up until, you know, somebody argues mm-hmm. the opposite and wins. You think that would give them a little bit of cojones. So I, I'm just curious, you know. Wow. It, it, it is it is bizarre. I, I mean, that they seem like they don't even know what the hell's going on. I mean, I love it because I like to see lawyers trashing the government well, like this. So. What if it's worse than they don't know what's going on? I mean, it, we assume that that's the worst, but there's actually an even worse possibility. The worst possibility is that they're all in on this, that this is a murder on the Orient Express kind of thing, and that Trump and his team are just playing a role. And that's why they're not fighting as hard as they could. That's not why they're not making all the arguments that they could. And maybe this guy is saying, I'm not going to be part of this. I mean, that's a possibility to me. Are we allowed to use that O word? O word? O-R-I-E-N-T. Are we allowed to say that word? Oh, no, actually, you're, you're not. So I want to be careful. I, 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 I'll tell you, Stephen, I got in trouble for that years and, and years ago. I don't even know what the O word is. Orient. Orient. Yes. 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 You can't, say, you can't say oriental. It's right Latin, behind. Sorry, Latin is behind, it's right behind the N-word. Once upon Latin. a time, uh, I, I was an intern at CNBC in Fort Lee, New Jersey. And I was working for, um, oh, who's the the guy who had the, 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 the panel show every week? John McLaughlin. Wrong. Remember him? Of course. I, I worked on his show, believe it or not. Wow, that's some, cool. Some thirty years ago, it was it was uh, it was during the '92 campaign, as a matter of fact, and uh, I I used that word with one of the producers, a, a rabid uh, left winger, and I was told pretty much that that was a bad word to use. Not supposed to use that word. Okay, so we'll, we'll rename the movie when the time comes. So, yeah, are you saying they're going to let him dangle? Is what you're saying when they're all in on it? I don't know what the question, who, what do you- When you're saying they're all in on it, all mm-hmm. the other defendants. I'm saying, yes, I'm saying that that this whole thing is not just a sham to get Trump, but that Trump is playing along. I mean, that's another possibility. I mean, I think that they want to put him in jail 
And I think that they'll double cross him in the end. But there's some, I mean, Trump is fundraising a boatload of money off of this. Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, is, is he convinced himself that this is actually helping him? That the more he, that this goes on and the more he goes into court and the more he gets a mugshot, that somehow well, just that some way that him, this is going to help him. He might be egging them on. He may be part of it. He may be telling them, go for it. I mean, I mean, I, I doubt they, that, but I could see him thinking that that his ego is so big that maybe he doesn't he's not really taking it all seriously. He thinks it's all just BS and then they're, they're not really going to throw him in jail. They just want to hold it over his head through through next year. Through the which campaign. indictment was it? Was it Bragg's indictment where they quoted all of his lawyers? One of the indictments I, quoted his bunch of his lawyers. I think it was the Bragg indictment. And whichever one it was, and we talked about it on the show, and, and I said, that seems bizarre because the lawyer has, there's an attorney-client privilege, and any lawyer that would have given those statements to the grand jury would be subject to disbarment because you can't reveal attorney-client privilege even to the grand jury unless it's prospective. I mean, if, if, the, if the lawyer has knowledge that the person is going to kill someone or going to rob a bank or do some heinous act, then he has an obligation to speak up. But if it's all retrospective and in the past, you have an obligation as a lawyer not to speak up. And yet the indictment that we that I read cited one lawyer after another, lawyer one, lawyer two, lawyer three. And maybe Trump is the one who told him this. Maybe Trump is the one who waived the privilege. Maybe Trump said, this is what I told my lawyer and you know, you know, brought the lawyer into the room. And maybe they'll... You know, while the lawyer was there with Trump, Trump said, no, go ahead, answer the question. And he waived the privilege. I mean, I don't know, but that's 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 certainly a possibility. I, I read an article back in, the, you know, 2020, 2021, um, a young lawyer coming in to help with the election fight and his his view. I, th I think I shared it with you all at the time, his view of what the legal fight was like. And he he basically put out this view that nobody knew what was going on. Giuliani was not interested in fighting on the substance of the election fight. You know, um, there were improper ballots or, or anything like that. He, he, he was uh, obsessed with Bush v. Gore and going with the uh, Equal Protection act and wasn't listening he was he, he would go in and try and brief him on a point of law and he wouldn't listen he'd be on his phone either talking or texting or whatnot he was completely disassociated with the legal case and thus everybody was running around with their heads cut off in the white house trying to figure out how to fight this particular case and it was complete chaos and nothing ever got done and i i tend to believe that article that is what that is that is the Trump chaos. That is the chaos that Trump um, engenders in all of his subordinates. The Scott Atlas's book about the COVID response was the same way. It was it was obsessions by some people, um, uh, no leadership, everybody kind of doing their own thing, kind of chaos. Uh, I mean, I I think that's that is the White House that Trump ran. And I think that was the, the legal case. And I think the legal case today is no different. It's all just chaos. If, 
if 19 people or however many got indicted in a single indictment, obviously each person needs their own counsel. That's stupid to say joint counsel, but they should get together. They should talk. They should be having meetings every day. They, you know, they, they should be planning. They should be talking to one another. And um, it, I don't, and Trump should be paying. He's the rich guy. He got them into this mess. He, he should be paying for these lawyers. I mean, uh, Jeff Clark, the guy who's doing this particular uh, um, defense, which I, I think is, has a great chance of winning, um, he's raising money on gifts and go because he can't afford, uh, you know, the lawyer who's probably not doing any work. You know, he's probably doing all the work himself. And he's still doing it on kids and go. I mean, and you go billionaire Trump out there who got them all into this mess. Um, he should be paying. They're his so, people. And I, I just don't see Trump. I, I know Trump's way ahead in the polls and blah, blah, blah. I just don't see him winning. He just treats everybody like crap. So, Ed P., you're arguing then that this kind of segues into the debate thing, that this is a more detailed way of attacking Trump not just all the other stuff, but that he can't lead his own White House, his own administration, and that's not going to change. And the way this case is being handled is just further evidence of that. Yeah, I mean, I think there are specific examples in Trump's presidency where you can point out that um, that he, it's, it was just complete chaos. And, and we might like some of the results of Trump's presidency, certainly I did before COVID, um, but you know, and, and even the Abraham Accords, they were just done by, uh, what's his name? You know, yeah, Jared. Uh, Jared, on his own, basically, uh, uh, away from the State Department. Well, that, oh God, that's, that's the only a, way to get things done thing. in foreign policy. Yeah, but, you know, it's just, it was like everybody going their own direction. And if, if someone, you know, again, we like DeSantis for a number of reasons, but he, he's just not connecting with the whole, I can, I can, do what Trump wanted to do, except I am competent at running an organization, and he isn't. We'll see tonight whether he, he uses that line, but... Um, I mean, I, yeah, I, unfortunately, I, his, his, his administration may do it well. His campaign, at least, is perceived I, I, as not doing it well. What yeah. and I just, I, knowing what narcissistic personalities like this can be like, <laughs> um, you know, Trump, they, they can be very driven and focused on on a certain thing that they're doing but also be bulls in china shops right <laughs> yeah. and, and just like not listen to anybody around them uh ignore ignore advice too not just get bad advice but get good advice and just be like, ah, i'm just going to do what i want to do so god only knows well I, I, again on. i only know what i read the papers right will rogers not will rogers uh yeah will rogers and i so there is a report out today, again, Robert Burns, Barnes, if you're not following Robert Barnes, you're not ahead of it, that the government in Maui gave instructions to the people in Lahaina to stay in their home, shelter in place. The people who listened to the government and stayed in their homes are dead. Apparently, they put roadblocks up. Wow. To keep people from leaving. And the people who left, who violated the government's orders and who left, who broke down the roadblock and drove out of Lahaina, mm -hmm. they lived. So, yes, you do need the Gordian knot 
Alexander the Great Gordian knot example sometimes. You need someone to come in and say, I'm just not untying this. I'm just going to chop in the half. You absolutely need that. And, and that is what we liked of Trump in 16 and to a certain extent in 17 through 19. Um, that, that ability to just cut the Gordian knot. But on the other hand, he's tying just as many knots as he's cutting. So it's. I agree with you know, that. I just wanted to get back to something Stephen said before we all forget it. And I, I don't I think DeSantis is a very good leader. I think that he can. I don't think that there's the I think that his White House would be just fine. I think that his his governor's man, governor's administration in Florida has been just fine. The problem the problem is partially the campaign. I guess it's all about campaign. And, and I think the problem is that he is allowing Trump to define him. And he's not responding to any of it. And, you know, when you, Stephen, you said, you know, that it, it that he's, he's got good, DeSantis has good results, but his campaign seems like it's flailing. I don't know that it's flailing. I just think Trump keeps, the Trump team keeps saying that they're flailing. Well, that's and, my change so, to perceive to be flailing. Right. And, and there's, there's no not. response. There's no response from the DeSantis team. So at some point, that's the perception wow. that becomes that takes hold. And yeah. he's not that's that's the problem. It's it's not that he's a bad leader. I mean, it, that's a bad decision. Well, and clearly. Is, is, yeah, go ahead, Mike. There, there was some truth to it because DeSantis, you know, changed the campaign team around. So, right. I mean, there was a shakeup a couple of weeks back, a few weeks back. Right. So you, you, nothing has you're changed lending as far credence. as I can see. Yeah. I mean, but that lends credence, credence to the accusation. Well, that depends on also how you frame it. You could frame it as he was a leader. He saw his people weren't doing what they needed to do, and he changed. It's all in the frame. Right. Listen, we're going to find out a lot more after tonight. I mean, again, you know, the obvious question tonight is with Trump not being there, does that make it easier, harder, more likely, less likely for them to focus on him a lot? And I think most people say DeSantis does need to stand out as opposed to Trump in leadership and no chaos, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And they have to go after him, I would well, assume. Well, the problem, though, is that Vivek is sort of Trump's stalking horse, and Vivek is going to be on the attack on DeSantis, and DeSantis is going to have to fight back on Vivek. Are you They're buying that he's there just to destroy DeSantis? There's a theory out there like that. Who's the they? I don't remember who said it. Somebody wrote an article in Opine. Who said that they're out to destroy DeSantis? Who do you mean? Vivek. Vivek. Yes, yes, that's what I, that's that what I mean by stalking horse. only there to destroy DeSantis. That he, I mean, Vivek, that Vivek doesn't believe he can win, that Trump is paying him off somehow on the side. I, I firmly believe that. I, I don't think that you do. Vivek, yes. You do? Really? So you think Vivek is running for vice president, then, basically? No, I'm, I think that Trump created XYZ Corp and Vivek created ABC Corp, and XYZ Corp is making a whole bunch of purchases from ABC Corp, and Vivek is getting a whole oh. bunch of money. You think it's just utterly corrupt. It's not just that Vivek wants to be vice president. Um, I, I, that that seems unlikely, given the fact that, that Trump can't even pay for his own lawyer bills. I mean, I, you know, or you know, I think he can't pay. I mean, Trump is is renowned for stiffing his lawyers. Yeah, he's he's, he's all long been known as somebody who didn't pay his lawyers. So. I, I mean, I think that Vivek is probably thinking maybe I could be vice president. Maybe he's doing so well in his interviews and and in the recent polling. 
Maybe his head is getting bigger and he thinks he can win. And maybe he could. I mean, I don't think he'd be a bad president. He's certainly saying all the right things. But what got him into the race? In my view, I don't think he got into the race because he thought, hey, I'm a 37-year-old man and I'm ready to be president, even though I've never been involved in politics. I think there was a deal made on the side. He's going to get some lucrative amount of money somehow, some way. And his job is to try and destroy DeSantis. That, that's what I think. But he, he's not going to be the only one going after DeSantis. I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And you were talking about how DeSantis needs to, to fight and everything like that. Uh, with Trump not being on that stage, he's going to be the focal point for, for all of them. It's not clear who's going to be the focal point. I mean, part of it is going to be the questions that Brett Baer and Marsha McCallum ask. Well, they're they're gonna they're also gonna be asked about Trump and all the stuff that's going on, and it's gonna be interesting to see how they respond. I mean, I, he's gonna but, have to answer obviously the whole insurrection, J six, and everybody being arrested and Trump going to jail tomorrow. I think those questions all have to come up, and I'm assuming somebody's gonna ask, "What does it mean that Trump isn't showing up?" Now, I think I've expressed my opinion to you before. I think that if Tucker puts up an interview at the same time as a debate, I don't agree with that decision whatsoever. I'm expecting pushback. Well, that's what that's what uh, Trump has tweeted on uh, Truth Social. Trump said that he's that uh, Tucker is going to release the interview at nine o'clock tonight. Eight fifty five. Yeah, I do not view that positively. How do you guys view it? Not only I think it's a disgrace. Huh? I think it's a disgrace. Yeah, and, I, and I mean, I Tucker, apparently the, the interview has been taped in the past. Right. Yeah. A couple of days ago. And if Trump is is crowing about it, that tells me that he feels like he did great during the interview. And <laughs> I don't think that he could do great if Tucker really grilled him hard on Operation Warp Speed and, and some of the other things that Trump has done. Um, so that tells me that I think Tucker probably gave him some softballs. That's, that's where my... Trump is so narcissistic. He thinks he did great anyway. That's possible. Yeah. I just don't think he could release it at a specific time without Tucker say so. And I, whatever we say, I mean, Republican Party and Fox News, I don't think that's the right move to make. I guess I'm not I, having I mean, the same uh, reaction because for, for all I care, you watch a debate and then you go watch the Tucker interview afterwards. I mean, this is the world we live in. It doesn't really matter to me. I mean, right. I, I'm, I'm not going to watch see it. live anyway. I, I, I don't see it as well. Then, that, then there's no reason the, to the, the real. The main thing time. is that he's just not going to be on that debate stage. To me, that's that's the big issue. And are we just playing into his narcissism by saying, "Oh, we got him on for an hour"? Blah blah blah. I don't know. I don't know what you do with a narcissist. <laughs> and oh, Tucker thinks speaking, that he's going to end up better than. Giuliani and Jenna Ellis and everybody else who's ever sucked up to Trump? I, I think the problem Trump has, and I, I'm being absolutely serious in this, is that he doesn't have very many friends in the donor class, the politician class. He's He's been so, and, and even the professional class, like, like Jeff Clark, his assistant attorney general, you know, he he's been yeah he's been abrasive he's he's been abusive and he's been chaotic and he's changed his mind and he's done all this stuff and then he's personally insulted all of these people 
I'm like, even if he does get elected, and, and there is a good chance that he will be, given that the, everybody's still predicting a very harsh recession for next year, although they did for this year and hasn't shown up yet. Um, who's going to staff his administration? It, there's no, every, you know, it's just no good people anyway. It's all other power lusters who, who you know, there isn't any He's just alienated so many people so often, so many of his friends, so many people oh. would like him, you know? I mean, I that, mean is, just, that, is a, that is a really good point because considering what's going on right now with these indictments and everything like that, I, I, why would anybody want to be- And, and he's alienated the, the donor class, you know, the, the, the billionaires and stuff um, who, who, you know, would rather donate to wow. DeSantis or some other Republican. The, the big problem for Republicans is like, I don't I don't know if Trump could win next year. I honestly, if you if I were going to put a wager on it, I would say no. Uh, I would give DeSantis a much better chance of winning if it ends up being him against Biden. I mean, I'd give Republican Vivek a better, better chance. Well, I don't. Well, I don't know about that because I, I don't know if he has the gravitas, but I think I mean, he has Republicans a better chance better, better figure out what the hell they really want, because. I just I don't I don't know that Trump. I think he's capable, yes, of winning the nomination again. I, well, I, remember, I don't have of, faith in him of, winning in the general. Of the 150 million people who voted in the election, you know, there's like, you know, a few million who are politics junkies like ourselves and are following things all the way out. It, it, it you know, James Carville famously said, it's the economy stupid. I have a feeling that um Despite the Democrats' efforts to continue to fortify our democracy next year, if the economy is in the toilet next year, then the Republicans going to win. Whoever oh, you mean you mean you mean like when when inflation led to a really big win during the midterm? Everybody was pissed out of inflation, but the thing that people get really pissed off is unemployment. Unemployment is the one thing that. That pisses people off. And so far, we do not have high unemployment. Yeah, but it won't. Anybody who hates Trump won't vote for him anyway. They may not. They'll say they won't vote for a Democrat, but they'll never vote for Trump. Those no. people. And I'm still afraid that the 10, 20 percent of Trump supporters yeah. that will stay home. Well, we've got Cornell West, who's running on the Green Party. He's very, very famous. I've even heard of him. He was popular. And we've got the no nothing. Oh, excuse me. The uh, no names. No names. Or no labels. No party. No Oh, no labels. That is, I thought there was no, oh, no labels. Yes. No Christine, labels. Todd, Christine Todd Whitman. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Or um, that guy, John Huntsman from Utah. Uh, you know, they're going to run someone. They're going to get on all the um, ballots. So we're going to have a very strong left wing, uh, popular with the black community, Cornell West. And we have, uh, you know, this this big moderate who hopes to suck you know, moderate votes, I, I think it could go either way. I, I, mm. I, you know, even if it's Trump, I think it could go either way. Well, that, that would muck things up if there were a viable third party candidate or what have you. Well, they're not viable, but, but they're popular. I mean, Cornell well, West yeah. is very, very popular among a certain demographic. And, I, you know, I mean, isn't he a professor at Princeton? But, I mean, you have to admit, I mean, like, in, a way, in a way, if there were ever a chance for a third party <laughs> candidate a la Perot to win, next year might be that opportunity <laughs> so it will be yeah. interesting to see if something does happen there um real real quick while we're on the subject of you know trump fighting and everything like that um i thought it was interesting what ted cruz had to say during the last week 
We talk a lot about the Republicans fighting back, fighting fire with fire. It, it really annoyed me when he was basically like saying, no, 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 no. We, we got to play with our hands be tied behind our back. I mean, you're, you're not even I mean, Democrats are going nuclear here for all intents and purposes. And re- Republicans aren't even coming with a water pistol. I mean, there's nothing. The hands are tied behind the back. And he's saying, I don't want to weaponize the, the, the Justice Department any further. We're not going to we're not going to do anything. We're not going to prosecute any of them. We're going to do nothing and sit back and, and let this happen. I think it's it's ridiculous. I, I don't know if it's because of the fact that they, like you're saying, a lot of people don't like Trump. They don't want to fight for him. They're just like, let let him let him go down and we don't care. It's not going to happen to us. It's just him that they want. I, I, I don't know. But I, I was annoyed with, with Ted Cruz and what he said. Well, I gave up on Cruz a while ago, and this was kind of in line with why. It's very sad because he may have been a fighter at one point, but he's definitely not anymore. Talks a lot, yells a lot, but when push comes to shove, he's not going to push or shove. Yeah, and it's not just him, you know, but he was the one that spoke out last week. I think and some I people was... had hope for him yeah. at some point. This is what happens. They get comfortable. So he's comfortable. Why wouldn't you be? No, you, you can stay in the Senate 50, 60, 80 years. Yeah. And you're not going to be president. So remember, Heidi Cruz is a Goldman Sachs lady. <laughs> Palling around with John Corzine and Phil Murphy. Well, I mean, I said this last week. I'll say it again. The, you know, um, Angela Cotavia wrote this uh, article back in 2010, uh, America's Ruling Class, where he, he sets the struggle up in the United States not so much between left and right or Democrats and Republicans, but um, but the ruling class and all the rest of us, basically, mm-hmm. although I'm technically in the ruling class, but that's another story. Um, I certainly don't have any problem. Stop uh, being so bossy. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and what we call the uniparty or the deep state or the people in Washington or, you know, the government or whatever, them versus all the rest of us. And, and there was a study done, you know, that uh, when, you know, the po- when a policy is favored by the, the ruling class and disfavored by a majority of the people, it gets implemented, you know, 80% of the time and, and vice versa. Something's uh, favored by the people and disfavored by the ruling class. It, it gets implemented like 10% of the time. I've that study somewhere. Anyway, the point is that Cotevia was trying to bring out a new politics in 2010. And we saw that politics make its way in in 2016 with Trump, who, even though he was part of the ruling class, a billionaire in New York, whatnot, was trying to represent the people, or at least claiming to represent the people. And I I think that the Republican Party has not quite understood Cotevia's message. And so they're still part of the Uniparty, and they are going to fight um, tooth and nail to maintain their privileges as the Washington generals. And I think that to mix my metaphors. Well, there's and, no incentive uh, for them not to keep playing that game. No, no. The only thing the incentive is, is, is they want to save the country. If they did, yeah. who wants yeah, the, to save the country? Well, occasionally you'll get someone you know? like, what are we doing this uh, podcast for if we're not interested in saving the country? But the, the ruling class on either side of the aisle is not period. And since we don't vote them out. I mean, I was in it for fame and fortune, but uh, 
Well, you got that. You're with us, Mike. <laughs> I'm halfway there. Is what you're trying to say? There, there you go. The, the bigger <laughs> half. <laughs> anyway, the, the the point is that it will take someone from the ruling class to take the side of the people to sort of smash this particular oligarchy that we have. And that's what Caesar did. Caesar was a rich guy. He was part of the ruling class. Can you remind me what happened to him uh, on he, March 15th? <laughs> yeah, well, he was very trusting. But Octavian, his adopted son, not so much. Um, no, no, I, I do not advocate Caesarism for the United States, but uh, a sort of a political Caesarism, someone who is rich and smart and has been to all the right universities, but rejects the whole uh, ruling class dominant philosophy and will take up, you know, political, the political positions of the, the normies who are being decimated by trade uh, policies, being decimated by, um, uh, you know, open borders being destroyed by inflation, being destroyed, um, you know, uh, by uh, poor um, medical care because the, you know, the pharma and whatnot controls our government. Um, I, I think I think that's it's going to have to be someone who is a, 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 a you know, peaceful Caesar-like person to come along to do this. And I, I and Trump could have been that person, but he failed. And it's, it's it, you know, DeSantis could be that person, but he's really got to stake out a claim. And I think RFK Jr., my guy, uh, has staked, staked that claim out. And so that's why I'm, you know, that's why I'm all over RFK Jr. Because but with all of that, exactly presidents, don't of have, presidents don't have that much power to steer a ship. And even if like Reagan, they can steer it a little bit, it gets steered back right away. I, the country's too big. To move in a different direction. That's what I believe. Presidents don't have a lot of power. Um, to, to actively do things, but they have a lot of power to stop things from being done. For eight years. Yeah, it, and that doesn't matter because homeostasis yeah. says that even if they move it a little bit, it's going to move back and possibly further to the other side. And that's what's happened since, right. since Reagan. So I don't think well, really. Well, let me take the other it. side of that, Stephen, because I think that the right guy can can change the terms of debate for forever. I mean, Reagan is the one who told us that you can cut taxes and increase revenues to the government. And even though mathematically it doesn't work unless I mean, it, it, theoretically, if you're at the right part of the curve of, of, of the uh Oh, what was Laugh the curve? curve? Laugher, yeah. I mean, we're, but we're not at that point in the curve. If you cut taxes, the the velocity of money would have to be so high for 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 the revenues to the government to increase that it's it's mathematically impossible. That's not what happens. But nonetheless, that is an article of faith in the Republican Party. Cut taxes, you'll re, you'll increase revenues to the government, and. That's, you know, and that's uh, from Reagan. Reagan changed uh, that whole terms of debate 50 years ago. Because Reagan knew one thing, the, he had the bully pulpit. And that's... Yeah, that's, but if I remember correctly, you, since Reagan, we've had Clinton, Obama, and Biden. So exactly where are we compared to Jimmy Carter's years? Um, well, you know... Not we much all... better. Uh, well, we're, we're, well, but that's we're because the Republican the Party is no longer Reagan. I mean, but that's at, what I'm saying. That, Even with the no, Reagan, but, it's going to go back. That's what I'm but, saying. 
Well, it, you know what? I, but if you go back and listen to to if you listen to what Bill Clinton oh. said, Bill Clinton, he may have governed as badly as as Carter and 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 Biden, but and and Obama, but he was he was different. I mean, he he said the era of big government is over. He ended welfare. You know, he he signed welfare reform, which but that was that was because, that was because of Reaganism. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the, the, I mean, the 94 election, the 94 elections aren't one without having Reagan before him. I Correct. would go back to having Bill Clinton as president tomorrow in a heartbeat because he <laughs> he was he, he was smart politically. He was smart intellectually. He had you know, bad taste in women, but that's OK. Um, but no, no, he, I, I, yes, he was liberal, Ed. right? Got it. But I mean, compared to Biden, really? I'd take, I'd take, but that's yes what I'm saying. I'm 40 say years yes. after Reagan, we had Biden and we're not in better shape than we were the, during Carter. I'll just well, say, no, nobody Ed, really carried yes, that forward. The, the, the Democrat Party ties to the Chinese Communist Party began under Bill Clinton. And oh yeah, so, that's, that's true. Yeah, he 100%. did sell out the country to Clinton, to uh, China, definitely. Well, it, it's not so much China, but he 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 was the one, the new Democrat. What do they call it? The um, Democratic Leadership Conference, where he decided that the Democrats were no longer going to be solely in the pockets of the unions; they were going to be pro-business, and they were going to fundraise from business. And in fact, all of these companies that are now, you know, pouring hundreds of billions of dollars into what is essentially the coffers of the communists, both here and abroad, were started with Bill Clinton deciding that he was going to take the Democrats into a more pro-business direction. But I remember myself back then, I was like, thank God, the Democrats are finally going to take the Democratic Party in a pro-business direction. We like business. Yeah, oh, this is great. Well, I'm not and just talking about I that. I didn't realize how bad it was going to turn out. I mean, do you remember Charlie Tree? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, remember a lot about that, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, so Bill but, Clinton was, was selling out to the Chinese the way the Bidens are selling out to the Chinese. Mm -hmm. And that was just a precursor to what the Clinton Foundation was all about. Yep, and he gave him but, a lot of our secrets and electronics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, I, I know, always thought that Bill Clinton's uh, sins were venal rather than mortal you know but right. you're right he he did he did sort of he didn't know what the ccp would become they all had this, this thought that um if we opened up to china and we traded with them and and they got more um you know profit oriented and whatnot the chinese government would change and that's just wrong it didn't happen i don't think i didn't thought so that i mean he's a smart guy but i think he was interested in getting rich and getting laid mm -hmm. And that's it. And that's what I said. That you put it Venal in that order, but we won't spend time arguing about it, Ed. Greed and lust, but not sloth. He was energetic. <laughs> yeah. Um, anybody uh, want to comment on our thoughts about X, formerly known as Twitter, and as Elon Musk, the great free speech savior, but he wanted him to be, or is he making too many faux pas? Um. I don't know. I haven't really paid a lot of attention in a sense. I mean, I am on there. this fight about not being able to block people with James Woods. He himself blocks people. He changes the rules all the time. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I wasn't allowed to DM somebody the other day because of these new rules. I, I don't even know what that's all about. 
you know, usually you follow somebody, they follow you back. You can DM each other. And it was telling me I needed to be, uh, uh, have the, uh, friends with them or one verified, verified. I need to okay. be verified. I'm like, I, 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 all I know is that you can't do with Tesla what he did with Tesla or SpaceX, what he's done with SpaceX by behaving this completely chaotically. He, Elon, with on Twitter reminds me of, of Trump in the White House, billionaire, egomaniacal, chaos. And yet you can't do what SpaceX did, SpaceX did with that sort of chaos. And so I don't know why he's behaving this way with Twitter, but he is. He's, he's already destroyed just half the value. I, I don't know. I, I, he, he, I, it's a $44 billion toy, but he, he owes money. So I, Maybe I don't know he what... took Tesla seriously and SpaceX seriously, but Twitter's just something to fool around with. Yeah, it's a toy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how you can be successful in, I mean, landing those rockets on the barges out. I mean, that that's not something you settle with. That is something you really know what you have to know. Maybe what you're you guys doing. just need a little more dose of cynicism. I mean, the way well, I was thinking, maybe Trump is being paid off. Maybe Elon's being paid off. Well, he hired that terrible, terrible person to be CEO of that lady or X or whatever. Yeah, she's just awful. And and she was hired because she has linkages to the advertisement. She's an advertising person and an advertiser like friendly person. And to the extent that Twitter makes any money at all, it gets it from advertisers. And I I you know, it between his arbitrary ravings and his his uh, t ridiculous tweets and and changing the block button and and all all the rest between all of the rest he has a plan that he's articulated to take twitter in a direction where it doesn't have to rely so much on advertisers for money he wants to recreate paypal with twitter he wants to um do long form he wants to do video and and whatnot now that video is very expensive to do right because it requires a lot of hard drives Hard drives that you don't tend to own, you tend to buy them from Amazon or Microsoft, and they impose their views on "quote unquote" hate speech on you. So you're you're in you're in a bit of a you're in a bit of a bind. I don't know what hate speech is. I think we all know that there are certain words like the N word that are uh, not sayable in polite company or uh, on social media. But I was banned from Medium uh, for citing "quote hate facts" unquote. That is, I cited some facts that apparently were hate facts, and I was banned from the platform. So I, you know, that's where we're going. It's like, you, you don't know what you can say or not say if you're touching various third rails of politics. Right, such and as, folks move all the time, so. Yeah, and, and, and mostly movie. having to do with, with, you know, race, race and crime, feminism, trans, all of that, all anything in that sphere that that doesn't echo the current download from the NPC lords um, uh, will get you banned. But those are important discussions we have to have in this country if we're going to try to solve any of these problems. Oh, well, I'll use it my last thing, but I have a great story for my uh, my last thing. <laughs> All right, you caught yourself, but you, you had to say it out loud. <laughs> Usually you just catch yourself in your head and you stop. 
I, I did. I caught myself in the head. I have a great story to tell when we get down to our last thing, which is coming up relatively soon. <laughs> uh, um, let's see. Liberty Block has not yet imposed masks, but it looks like uh, some others are starting to do it again. Is it going to work? Or are people going to... Yeah, well, no. this, this was the story that I wanted to bring up because... It's all yours. Voila, there's another variant out there, right? And uh, is it here we go again? And how will people react? I mean, I think a after what we know now in the passage of the last couple of years, I, I think I'm hopeful that there would be a lot of pushback, that we will not tolerate what we tolerated the last time. Um, I know, Ed, Ed, you're probably going to take a cynical point of view that we accepted it the last time and we'll do it again. I I think people like us will not tolerate it again. I see. I went into my that. I went in my doctor today and she wasn't wearing one of my doctors. I have a doctor for every organ. Right. So it's depending on which organ is getting doctoring. So this doctor, I had teased her about wearing a mask last time I saw her a couple months ago. And uh, today she wasn't wearing a mask, though I now teased her viciously. And I probably shouldn't have, I mean, um, but I couldn't help it. And she was quite upset and said, you know, there's a lot of evidence-based medicine that, that masks work. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was right about to say, there's absolutely no evidence that masks work at all against viruses. I was just, but she had this needle in her hand. It was about that big. It was a comical, um, you know, Bugs Bunny Roadrunner sized needle that she was going to stick in my ass. And I figured arguing <laughs> with her, probably not the best policy. So I just apologize. The, time, the timing. And, wrong, that's all. And yeah, the timing for an argument on math is wrong. So I, I just shut up and, and I apologize. But I, yeah, I mean, there, it's, it's a cult. And there is no evidence seen, whatsoever. I have that not seen my it. doctor in years. I have some doctors I've never seen. Doctors I started with in the last few years, I've never seen them. But Adam, what would well, you say? I don't remember. I think I said what I was well, going to say. I mean, the, 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 thought, the thought that comes into my mind is last time around, they used COVID because it was weaponized against Trump. And I, I think successfully. Is there any benefit to attempting this again next year during the election that actually would benefit Biden and the Democrats. Yeah, Biden doesn't have to campaign, mail-in ballots, all of that stuff. Well, there's that aspect of it, for sure. I mean, that that's the one thing that they used it for the last time. But they're going to they're going to be doing that again next year anyway, aren't they? Just general control yes. of the population, Mike. When you're in charge this of the ruling uh, class, you want to control everybody again this this eris variant that they're talking about now it's um it's too early for i think they're jumping the gun on this as far as like they really need it in like may of next year you know that's when they really well, i'm wondering about that is this like a trial balloon because it is too early it is too early I, if they want to go through with all of the same shenanigans they did last time um they're going to have to hit it, you know, right at the near the end of the primaries. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the people are doing. I know 
when people are given a choice to wear masks or not, you know, 99% don't. Um, I, I think the lockdowns, you know, all of the things we lost from the lockdowns, it's, it's hard to believe that, that people like, you know, I, I, I don't think anybody in the sort of upper middle class, which is sort of where I travel, um, thought about it at all. Because it's like, oh, yeah, I just worked at home. But like there were millions and millions of people who lost their businesses mm-hmm. um, because of the lockdowns. And, uh, and, and no, they all did, they, you know, they didn't have an Ivy League education and they didn't have a, um, they don't have a podcast, you know. All they got is some redheaded guy in the South singing them songs. Um, but uh, the, you know, the, the forgotten men, the forgotten, you know, men and women, mm-hmm. there's a lot of women lost their jobs too. And the idea that they would do it again, they would do the same thing again to the same people. Um, it's, it's just so awful. I, I just, well, that, that's why it, I say I'm hopeful that I don't think people will tolerate it this time around. What are they going to do, Mike? Or it's like they're not going to wear their mask. They're not going to walk one way down an aisle. And they're going to get arrested. And they, and then what? How well, many, how, many of us are they going to? How many are they going to arrest? Uh, well, how many? Nobody's going to. You know, people wear masks. That's stupid. Uh, you know, I, nobody's going to like. Um, nobody's going to volunteer to do any of this stuff. It's it's will the state governments impose it on them? I know in Virginia we have. Youngkin won't do it. I mean, he campaigned on not doing it. I trust him. He's not going to do it. There were times during the first lockdown where there was this, I, I would go in a store like half the size of Costco, you know, and they only let 10 people in at one time. Look, the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Youngkin's not going to do any of that. But the blue states are going to do it. Let's be honest. They're going to do it well, as fast as they possibly can. If, if somehow DeSantis is the nominee and they sort of try to pull this next year, that plays right into his hands, doesn't it? This is this is what we love about him. If he holds steady, St- standing standing up to the well, COVID tyranny. And that's I, I was going to relate this to 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 the debate and to Trump. I mean, Trump is still campaigning on Operation Warp Speed, and he's still saying that it saved a hundred million lives. I I, <laughs> I mean, I think it would be. I I think it's kind of weird that he doesn't just make that a campaign not just plank i mean if it really saved 100 million lives is there anything that more qualifies you to be president than that seriously i mean if he really saved 100 million lives and he really believes that why isn't that every other sentence out of his mouth i'm the guy who saved 100 million people i mean like I mean, Biden is campaigning on having cured cancer so <laughs> biden is demanding and, and for having a kitchen fire <laughs> no, but I hear you. I hear you. But but on the other hand, he won't renounce his stances on COVID. So, well, I'd like to see some of the some of the participants in the debate tonight, and you know, make him. You know, they, you can't make him take a position, but they can rake him over the coals for trying to have it both ways. And he needs to take some flack for what for his positions, and and not just in a debate. I mean. There should be, you know, campaign ads that are coming out. They should, you know, that you know, when DeSantis or Vivek or whoever is talking in an in an interview, 
that should be part of the responses. I will not endorse Operation Warp Speed. It did not save 100 million people. It killed people. It's still killing people. And Mr. Trump needs to needs to come to terms with that. And he needs to tell the American people he's not going to do that again. Well, who on the Republican slate tonight is going to say that Operation Warp Speed was a disaster? Is anyone going to say that to me? Is anyone going to say that the vaccines didn't work and ended up killing a lot of young people, even if they may have saved some older people? Well, it also killed older people, too. Potentially, yeah. There, there's lots of data on this. I mean, it depends on who you believe, but but it's unequivocally the case that the excess deaths among people my age or younger are way higher than they were. Tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of people died since the vaccines were introduced. And I, who's going to pick up that thousand dollar bill and run with it tonight? Because if you're going to attack Trump. That's the way to attack. So, but I, I think just to emphasize what Mike said, they have to be careful with this masking and stuff because it does play right into DeSantis's hands. And, you know, obviously primaries are state by state. And he goes into New Hampshire and says, unlike uh, what Sununu did to you as a state and what Trump did to you as a president, I will not lock you back down. I will not force you back into mess. That really does play into his hands. So they, it's it's in the Democrats' um interest to leave this alone until after the Republican primaries. I think that's what Mike was saying. Well, I'm saying if it is DeSantis, you know, come this time next year, they pull that stuff that plays right into right. his hands. So they don't want to do it during the primaries. Yeah. But, but, that's what yeah, 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 yeah. Are. Yeah. Now, if it's Trump, <laughs> I don't know what he can say. If it's Trump, it'll be the equivalent of having nominated Romney to try and repeal Obamacare. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's definitely some easy pickings on on that one. So, all right, Ed, Ed P, since you said we're going to wrap up soon. Yeah, I got to go eat. We'll do a slightly longer version of what didn't we get to. So I had an interesting conversation, you know, about this house a couple of years ago. We've been having work on it. And uh, my general contractor is a guy, he's American, but he's from El Salvador, which, by the way, he doesn't call El Salvador. He just calls it Salvador. Who knew? Anyway, uh, so he had to go back to El Salvador for um, for like four months because his aunt who raised him was dying and then passed away and then the funeral and then that had to deal with the estate and all that stuff. And so I asked him, how is it these days in, in El Salvador? Because you know that the president who I just looked up, his name is Naib Bukele, has arrested like 70 to 80,000 gang members and put them in essentially a giant concentration camp far away from uh, the public. And my friend, my contractor, he said, it's it's great. You can walk around San Salvador at night uh, without worrying about it. You don't even have to lock your car door. If I didn't lock my car door before, you know, the, the car would be stolen. And uh, even if I did lock it, it would be stolen. Now, now you don't even have to lock it. People are walking around at night. They're, they're eating out on the sidewalk. They're having fun. Everybody's happy. Everybody is, um, you know, just 
joyous that they they basically have their country back and it's not run by these these terrorist gangs anymore. So that is what my contractor friend who went to El Salvador for four months this year said. What is the U.S. State Department's position on rounding up all of these cartel drug lord terrorists and sticking them in a concentration camp? I give you three guesses. <laughs> is our State Department's position is like, hmm, that's a good idea. Or like, we have some concerns. Or like, that is a huge violation of human rights. Which of the A, B, or C <laughs> do you think the American State Department uh, uh, thinks? Because guess what? It's C. And it's typical of our government that they have absolutely no thought for the ordinary everyday person who now can live their life in El Salvador and be productive and be happy and be not terrified of being randomly murdered every day. And our State Department is against it. So I think that is the uh, that is my thing uh, for the day. And, and bringing uh, it back home, in as a story I was going to mention, anybody remember Governor David Patterson? He northern well, probably sure. remember he existed. Yeah. And the headline is he's warning of a revolt against the federal government over the migrant crisis. And it's, again, we talked about it a lot, sending migrants to the blue cities, et cetera, et cetera. But for a, a Democrat, to come out and say pretty strong words, it's not 100% clear what he's referring to, but you, the backlash from the left against the chaos in the cities is interesting. Will it lead to anything? Probably not, but it's fascinating to watch them squirm. And using a word revolt, now I remember when if you said revolt, you could get a cell with a J6er. I was in, uh, I was doing hyper, hyperbaric oxygen today. So you're getting a tank and you, you can't read or anything. You have to watch the TV. And so I picked San Andreas with The Rock. I don't know whether anybody's seen San Andreas, but um, it's a huge earthquake and most of San Francisco is is destroyed. The buildings are all falling down and a giant tidal wave comes and it washes through the, the city. And I was so happy when I saw that. I, I don't know. <laughs> don't know why. I used to love San Francisco, you know. Mm. Um, but what Bukele has done in El Salvador, to be serious, is to show that crime can be solved if you just put the criminals in jail and keep them there. <laughs> I, I, I don't, it's just that simple. What a novel concept, Dad. He didn't care. Giuliani showed that in were. New York. Yeah, he didn't care what race they were, what sex they were, what marginalized group they were. Criminal, jail. That's it. And turned El Salvador from literally a terrorist state into, you know, a state where it's, he, my friend said he felt safer walking in San Salvador at night than he ever did in Washington, D.C., or when he goes and visits his family in New York City. And that all you do is put the criminals in jail. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Mike? Oh, well, I mean, I brought up the... Uh... Um, the COVID stuff that was on my agenda. I I, I find it interesting um, that after the uh, the storms at California, every everything's climate change again. We had a hurricane, by the way, too. I, I like that. that's a good one, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean it's like everything is climate change, you know. So. All I know is I think the next ten days in New York's not supposed to be eighty again. 
So we're not yeah. suffering from climate change. We, but, we haven't exactly had a uh, hot summer. No, the that, rest of the world sure. apparently is boiling, but luckily yeah. we're not. So yeah, but uh, the the one thing too, I was going to go back and talk about. I shared this with you guys um, during the week. Uh, a a, a uh, somebody who's going to be in the legislature soon uh, posted to her Instagram that there was a pending bill and. In the, in the state, a proposed bill. And the bill is labeled, um, let me see, just pulling it up right now, S3592. And apparently this bill proposes that the state will have emergency jurisdiction over your child if the child is unable to receive gender-affirming health care. So, uh, you know, things just uh, never seem to change. Isn't in the that what California of, of passed? Jersey. Yeah, I think I think California and I, Phil Murphy wants to be the, uh, the the California of the East Coast. I guess he's succeeding because um, this is coming from one of the members of the legislature. I don't know how far this bill has gotten, but it doesn't really matter. Of course, it's just the the idea that, that something so outrageous. I think it does matter because it be can proposed. happen, and it is happening. Well, exactly. Cases, so, and especially yeah. in divorces. It's for sure happening, and people are going to lose kids that way. It's it's serious. It is, and it's just another nugget of all the craziness is going on in the schools, and and the threat to parental rights. Um, you know, we have some interesting school board elections coming up by me in the fall. So, I think that ties yeah. into to the story that Ed mentioned. You know, Ed, you Ed asks, how did you know how how could the U.S. State Department be you know, for the position, you know, for, for option C, as he said, mm -hmm. and, and and the reason is simple. All these leftists, all these Democrats are for normalizing insanity. They don't, they're not looking to solve problems. They're looking to create problems. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I, I shared another video with you guys this week too. Um, let me see if I can find it in, in our chat, but uh, there was a gentleman who, uh, he's an American, I believe, and he was given a speech in Europe, warning the Europeans of what woke means. And he was basically saying woke is Marxism and it's being done with Maoist tactics. It's very, it was like about half an hour long. Uh, when I find it, James, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I actually listened to it this morning in the gym. It was, fantastic. it was, it was really it was fascinating. Very good. Yep. I will post it to the, our comment section. Of, yeah, of, I, I'll put it maybe in the show notes. Really, really, very good video. Highly, highly recommend that people watch this video. But that that was, in essence, his thesis. And I think he's, he's spot right. on. They do want, they want to pit people against each other and they do want chaos. So, yes. Hello, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Ed M, you're up. Uh, my story for the week that we didn't touch on is that the New York Yankees stink. <laughs> yes they have hey. lost what nine in a row uh, and they're just having it for them a historically awful season and it's painful to watch them no it's not my son is a yankee <laughs> fan i would be yankee fan oh my god uh, but i'm not really a fan and so happy ed yes well and I'm, I'm not really a fan in the literal fanatic sense Team, every team that I root for, not that there are that many of them, has to earn my trust and earn my respect. And the Yankees are just 
awful team this year, and they have not done anything well, to prove themselves. The, the fascinating thing about the Yankees is the owner, Hank Steinbrenner, is not his father because heads would have rolled already. There's no way their general manager, Brian Cashman, would be getting an extension and staying on. Uh, Aaron Boone would have been gone and Billy Martin would have been back. <laughs> well, Billy Martin's uh, been dead for over 30 years. He would have brought back his ghost, but you know what I'm talking about. So I, I, that, I that's, what's really that's what's I, I, interesting about the Yankees is you, you know that George Steinbrenner is long gone because this would they would not he would not have tolerated this. I think I, I agree with you that George Steinbrenner wouldn't have tolerated it, and he would have imposed the same kind of chaos that you were guys were talking about with respect to Trump and Elon Musk earlier. Uh, but I think he's actually very similar to his dad in the sense that I think neither one of them knew what he was doing. I think that George George put two championship teams. He he had two championship runs. One in the late 70s, and that happened because he spent more money than anybody else at the beginning of free agency. And the second one happened when he got suspended for hiring uh, Spiro to, to investigate, you know, to get dirt on Dave Winfield. He gets suspended for three years, and the team got turned over to Gene Michael and, 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 and you know, some other people that had better talent evaluation skills than he did. Right. And they built a championship team. They built a dynasty. And when he came back, all he had to do was back off and let them let them take care of it. And and he tried to screw it up by hiring Joe Torre. Nobody wanted Joe Torre. Everybody thought Joe right. Torre was the wrong guy. Stein, you know, I want to say Steinbrenner got lucky on that one. Maybe he knew something that we didn't know or that I didn't know. But I don't think George was such a brilliant baseball guy either. He made lots oh, of. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not asserting that. What I'm saying is, if the Yankees were tanking like they are now, there's no way the GM and the manager would still be around. Well, forget about that. They wouldn't be around. I agree with that. But how did they go <laughs> through the trade deadline and not do anything to improve the team or to sell off these awful parts? What were they going to sell? They could have done what your Mets did. They didn't. But they didn't have what the Mets had. The Mets had True. You know, two, two Hall of Fame bound pitchers at the end of their career, the twilight of their career. I never thought in a million years the Mets would be able to get rid of either one of them. But well, you know, Co Cohen, Cohen is paying it up with all the salaries that, and they were content to get the prospects that they got back. And hopefully it works out in their favor in the long run. But um yeah, my Mets owner, it's an interesting situation there on the other side of town, too. But, uh, yeah, this is for the Yankees, worst season in a long time, and it's probably been a long time coming, indeed a long time coming. And it, and it shows you, I mean, I mean to, to go almost 40 years with not, without having lost nine games in a row, let alone potentially finishing in last place and with a, an under 500 record after all this time, over a generation is unbelievable. It's like what was happening in 1965. You know, they were, you know, between 1923 and 1964, they were in the World Series, I think, like two-thirds of the time. Yeah. Yep. But um, obviously they haven't made the right moves in recent years, and it's come. come so that's, that's my story. Not political. We talked enough politics. We'll see... Uh, We'll see how the debate goes tonight. We'll see how the Trump interview goes tonight with Tucker. 
Um, I guess I don't know if I I forget if I mentioned this earlier. So in case I didn't, I'll just say I'm I'm dis I'm disappointed with Tucker not just for facilitating Trump not being at the debate, but uh, my guess is he sent them. I think I said that he sent them softball questions. I don't think Trump will be crowing about this interview. You know, I'm just looking at my phone, and in the last few minutes, Trump sent another email out about how great his interview with Tucker was. And uh, you know, I guess Stephen, you said earlier um, that Trump is such a narcissist. Maybe he just thinks it was great. He also knows how to well, get I was, I was upset with Tucker for in, interviewing Andrew Tate and his brother Tristan, who are known sexual predators. I mean, that was they're, they're really horrible, horrible people, and he made them they're really horrible people. He made them sound like fantastic people. I was shocked. I know. I know. That was and very weird. I have I have secondhand evidence that they are horrible, horrible people that I would never, ever, ever want to uh, give a platform to. So um, not firsthand, but secondhand. And I, I, I think I, I don't know why he's using his limited time to interview such awful people. Now he's going to interview Viktor Orban, the leader of the free world, uh, next after Trump tonight. But I mean, Trump deserves to have hard questions asked of him and yep. not the stupid, gotcha, stupid uh, insurrection. And do you believe you won and all that stuff? But like, why did you do this? You know, why? Why did you do this? You did X. Why did you do that um, in your presidency? He, he deserves hard questions. And, and I I hope Tucker asked them, but I doubt he will. I mean, the most. You know, he, he deserves excoriation on on the COVID thing. Um, and I doubt Tucker will do that. And it's just, it's sad because nobody on the left, you know, NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, if they ever got a chance to to interview Trump, would throw any competent intellectual questions at the guy. It would all be gotcha stupidity. Um, and and I wish somebody would interview him, you know, maybe we could have him on the show. And uh, and ask him all of the questions that really need to be asked about his uh, his presidency and all this chaos that uh, we've been talking about. I doubt anybody's going to do it. Well, if one of you guys want to see if we can get him on here, I'm game. Not seeing, I'd be game too. Not seeing any takers. All uh -huh. right, we're going to close it up for tonight. Some of you guys are staying up late, I believe. I'm not. We'll be back next week unless we do some kind of special show out of outrage or excitement at the debates. We'll see everybody regular time next Wednesday, which I believe is August the 30th, pretty much the end of the summer. Wishing everyone a good evening. Send feedback, please, to the Conservatarian Exchange at libertyblock.com.